Hey, what's going on? How are you? It is Saturday morning, May 5th. Happy Cinco de Mayo. And there is so much going on right now. We just can't wait to share it with you. Matt, I think, you know, we're going to start it off with something different today here on the Kyle and Kasanoff Show. You know, there's been some big news recently about, you know, a combination of volcanic eruptions and earthquakes in Hawaii. And we think it's it's part of something larger, Matt. Yeah. I mean, this is going to bring us to our new segment. We all know that sports are ending in 2022, but our new segment is the world ending. I'm not sure if you've heard about this, Kyle, but the steamboat geyser, which is in Yellowstone, right. hasn't erupted basically in 30 years. It's erupted three times in the last month. Right. That is pretty scary. Yep. And Hawaii is basically, it's gone, right? Like, it yeah. just doesn't exist anymore? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like... There's a volcano and an the, earthquake? It was a, it was like a volcano first on the big island, and then there was an earthquake. I don't know if they're related or not, but that seems pretty crazy to happen so close together like that. You know, because I, I am a scientist. People know that about right, me. Right, right. Big science guy. And as a scientist, yep. I, you know, I believe, I've studied... That basically earthquakes come first, and they make all the lava bubble up to the top, right? Because like it's like just squeezing it, like the plates they just squeeze the lava up, mm-hmm. and then the lava just bubbles over. So you know, if it was an earthquake then volcano, I would be like, okay, this is normal. But I think because it was volcano then earthquake, that leads me to the only logical conclusion that the Earth is just ending, that it just doesn't exist anymore. Right. I mean, like apparently this volcano is like pretty active but I, I i just think it's insane that like it happened and then the earthquake I, I don't know can volcanoes cause earthquakes like is that is that a thing that happens and like and like back to this yellowstone thing like it's it's a little known fact that steamboat is actually like when it erupts is the largest geyser or, or like the tallest geyser in yellowstone it's not old faithful um it's not whatever the other big one is now um, does this geyser erupting mean that yellowstone's about to erupt right because i I, di- I did hear that also like there's increased like fissures in like in yellowstone like there's a lot of like smaller like you know uh fountains that are like bubbling up um abnormally like we're seeing just a, a lot more geothermic a- activity in yellowstone that like than is normal and like as you said Apparently, this steamboat thing has has erupted three times over the course of like the last month after not erupting since 1990. So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it's a it's a it's a famous you know disaster topic. Like, people talking about the potential for the Yellowstone caldera to just burst because, like, apparently, if that happens, like, that's the end of us all. So, like, I don't know. Is is this a precursor to that? Who knows? Apparently, it's apparently it's it, it's overdue for an eruption. I mean, I I think it's every like. I couldn't. I couldn't give you the time frame, but like apparently, like between the last time it happened and now, it's it's about you know how long it's supposed to be, you know. So like I, I don't know. It's just it's quite possible that it erupts in the next five years. Let's give a okay. Give me an estimation. Yellowstone erupts. Are we just all dead? Like, is it gonna is it gonna reach? Like, is the lava gonna get all the way to Clinton, New York? So basically, basically, I'd say yes. Yeah, I, wow. I, I'd say I'd say yes, we're all dead, but not immediately because of this. Like b- basically, what's going to happen, you know, based on the extensive scientific research that I've done into this topic, which we did a lot before the show. We, Don't worry, we guys. did a lot. Basically, it erupts. It covers the entire Earth. Apparently, it's large enough to accomplish this. C- covers the entire Earth, the ozone, with volcanic ash, basically blocking out the sun. Leading to essentially what will become a nuclear winter, where we just it, it just becomes incredibly cold. So we're just going to freeze to death. No longer sustainable for life basically. because we can't grow food. Right, but appa- apparently it's going to happen over the over several months and years after the 
after the volcano erupts. Now, what basically. do you think that's going to do to like the tourism industry? Like, you know, if you um, can't go to Hawaii and sit on the beach, well, actually, Hawaii doesn't exist anymore. Right. So if you can't go to the Caribbean just, and sit on the beach, just Earth in general, what's that going to do? I, I, yeah, I think everyone would just stay in their homes until everyone just eventually dies. Because kind of sounds like a negative. It sounds like something we don't want. It's definitely something we don't want. I want to bring into your attention another thing. So I've been doing some reading about this. San Francisco, right? It's kind of a big city. Yeah. New York Times, a few, like a week ago, I want to say, maybe a little longer. Yeah. They had a little article basically saying San Francisco is full of skyscrapers, and the the architects who built them are like, yeah, if there's an earthquake, we're not sure that they're not just going to all collapse. Right. Uh, so is San Francisco about to die? You like, know, the ap- city? apparently, apparently, because like, as some of you may know, in a, based on the research that I've done into this, you know, I mean, like, there are two faults that run over the Bay Area. One that runs up up the peninsula that makes up San Francisco and Palo Alto kind of runs straight up. That's the San Andreas fault. Then there's the one on the From east. From the movie San Andreas. Right, exactly. Yeah. And on the east side of the Bay, running up through Oakland, is the Hayward Fault. Now, in 1989, the Hayward Fault, I don't know, there was, there was some earthquake along the Hayward Fault. It, it was the famous World Series earthquake. I believe it was a 7.0. Pretty significant. People died. A highway collapsed. You know, pretty significant damage. But how? But the San Andreas Fault in San Francisco hasn't erupted in about 150 years, which is which is based on like historical evidence is about how long it should be uh, in between eruptions. Which means that 2018, because the last one happened in in 1868, 2018 is supposed to be the year that San Francisco gets another huge earthquake, causing Ooh. potential catastrophic damage. Well, that that coupled with a potential Yellowstone eruption, and the Hawaii volcano and earthquake. And now apparently Alaska is under earthquake watch, earthquake warning, whatever I'm sorry, is, earthquake, is an earthquake problem in Alaska even a big deal? I mean, I, I think, like, it's just, it's on the Pacific Rim, so it's just a rim of, of major faults. I think the San Andreas, it goes, and then kind of just kind of up along the Pacific coast all the way up to Alaska, there's apparently another huge fault, which... We just created these like mountainous ranges right on the coast. Apparently, well, can we talk about this? You're an economist. Yeah. Uh, if the whole city gets destroyed and we have to rebuild, that's a GDP boost. So, would the destruction right. of San Francisco actually be good for the economy? Right. It it serve much the same effect as as like a, a war would. Put everyone to work rebuilding the city. Yep. You have a huge demand for labor. Okay. People are people. It's creating jobs. People yep. are people are making money. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there is this, there is a significant loss of life. But what? Okay, so San what Francisco if Francisco is a pretty a, a pretty important hub of of people who are important. You know? Okay, but like, like in the next recession, maybe we should just like start like four wars and destroy all our cities, and then GDP will go back up. Right. Exactly. And I, I remember it was it was a a thing. It was a, a comedian, Bill Burr, who's who's one of my favorite. He said he said, "What if we just to like both curb the population uh, crisis, which we're go- currently under undergoing because there's just too many people and to to create jobs why don't we just like if i become president why don't we, i might just randomly sink cruise ships right yes take out like yeah. 25 to yeah. 5000 a whack right and then at the same time create another cruise ship directly in its place right so you're kind of cycling okay, them all yeah, around so you're create funded, you're creating, funding the shipbuilders right right, right? Also, you know, those those cruise liners, they're getting that insurance money. Right. So, like, Norwegian, they don't care. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. And, and you're just creating jobs. Yeah. It's just, like, it, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Maybe not for the families of those who, who, who perish in the in the tragic cruise ship accident. But in the long run, it, it could help our population crisis, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely see the merits of it. It might be a little extreme, but 
The, I could certainly be convinced. The economist in me is for it. <laughs> I, a little bit, a little bit. Like I mean, you, you, there's a there is a point to be made. There's a point to be made. Right, exactly. But you, long story short, it is quite possible that the Earth ends in the next five years. All all the factors put into account here. Wait, so can can I can we revisit Yellowstone though? Go ahead. I actually live in Utah. Right. Does, Pretty close. Does that mean that I'm like definitely dead? Uh yeah. You're like the first one to go. You, you, you are like the first one. I, I think Yellowstone, it's it's pretty optimal because no one really lives around there. Okay, but so here's my next question. Minimal immediate loss of life. If like if I were to buy a helicopter, which not if I, that I could afford one, but let's just say I could, do you think it would be a smart idea probably to just have that on me constantly when I'm in Utah so I could just escape if, the, if I hear that the eruption goes off? Actually, I feel like in that case, it might be safer to stay on the ground because apparently... When Yellowstone erupts, it will shoot ash, like, pretty much into the orbit. So, like, it will go pretty high, higher than a helicopter can go. And, and at the speed with which it will, it will leave the volcano going out on all sides, I feel like a helicopter wouldn't help. I feel like it would be safer to be on the ground where you might find okay. cover. Well, what if I got one? You know, you've seen Batman, yeah? Yeah. You know, like, his little two-wheeled, like, motorcycle, right. but it kind of, like, it can do flips and climb walls? Right, that might be safer. What about that one? That might be a safer option. That... Speed on the ground, you've got cover, you can stay underneath the trees, go I mean, under bridges. I'm only a few hours from Mexico, like maybe 15 probably, and then once you hit Mexico, you just drive all the way down to South America, and probably you can have a, a few months of skiing in Chile before the world ends. Right, exactly. Because it, it will catch up to you eventually, but yeah, that will prolong your life at least for a few years, I think. I don't speak Spanish, though. Well, appara- like from what I hear, I've never been to the Spanish-speaking world. But from what I understand, most of them speak English as well. Really? Even in Chile, do you think? I don't know. Maybe maybe not that far south. But in Mexico, you'll probably – it won't be too long before you find someone who speaks English. Yeah, but I will just be passing through Mexico and then, like, down through Central America and then – But apparently there's no roads. Apparently you actually can't drive that way. Really? Well, like, you can't you can't drive, like, continuously from, like, America So all what's the all this I'm hearing about these caravans that are pulling up to the San Diego border, you know? Well, that's Coming different. all the way from – from That's, like Central America, they must have got there somehow. When yeah, the the roads break down like around like the the like at like the top of South America, I think like because like I mean that makes sense. Otherwise, like I think the longest like continuous drive you could do, I think it would be from like Alaska to Chile or something like that. But like basically the roads like there there actually isn't one road that goes there. Right. No. 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 I hear. And you. so, but because like I think now like the longest drive you can do is from like the tip of Africa to like Magnitogorsk Russia or something like that that's which crazy. is like very far that'd be a good haul I think it's like 9,000 miles that's crazy that but is like a three-week journey if you go straight out 9,000 miles <laughs> I think it's more than that you know I actually I forget who this was but I actually I think I met someone who who told me they drove like all the way from like London to Russia or something like that that's got to be crazy how do you drive from London? Isn't, well, isn't, you, that, isn't that like an island? You take the Dover Ferry. but then, Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. I see what you're saying. They didn't like, literally drive over the English <laughs> Channel. I mean, I knew that the tunnel was for trains, but I didn't know that there was a car tunnel too. No, I don't think there's a car tunnel. There's a ferry though. Right. From Dover. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, I, I also heard that there was someone – I know we're getting a little bit off of our intended topic here, but there was someone who was, who was trying to trace – you know, the path that the earliest humans took. So he, he's literally, but he's walking it. So he's walking from, like, Kenya, Ethiopia, all the way to, like, the eastern tip of Russia. Well, can we Basically talk about just this, tracking the path that the humans took 
to North America. Wait, but the thing that I don't understand is that, like, they always talk about, like, you always hear, the, hear these stories about, like, these people who, like, run around the, the world. I'm using air quotes. Because, like, I understand that, like, you can, like, basically walk from, like, Portugal all the way to Russia. You can do that. Right. I mean, it would take you forever, but, like... But, like, you you can't walk across the Atlantic. Like, I just don't get that. I don't understand, like, how, like, there has to be some sort of transportation. My thought was always, and this is, I think it's pretty clever, was that you get on, like, a boat, like like one of those big uh, container ships, and you put a treadmill in there, and you just constantly walk the whole time. So it's, like, you essentially get the steps in, but you because you, you can't literally walk on water. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. That feels, like, a little cheaty to me. That... I agree with you. I feel, I, I feel like if you were going to do it, I feel like the closest gap in terms of water to land, I, I feel like it's from Russia to Alaska, right? Like, that's probably, like, the closest you can get. Well, my thought would be probably here's what you'd have to do, right? Let's say you start, you, like, let's say you start in, a, like, Magnitogorsk, Russia, right? What is that? That's, like, the way far, far uh, eastern tip of okay. Russia. Like, okay. you, know, you know how it, like, kind of comes down? Like, yeah. that's, like, basically Magnitogorsk, I think. Okay. So you start out there, you just like, you probably swim to Alaska, yeah. or like you kayak. The, the waters of the deadliest catch is what you're saying there. Those, yeah, are, the, you, those you, are some deadly waters. You probably just kayak. Right. Yeah, you just kayak. Right. Okay. So you kayak to Alaska. Yeah. Then you like walk all the way from Alaska down to the tip of Chile. Right. Then you probably like, you probably can't kayak because uh, like the water's too cold. But then what I'd probably do is like say like, hmm. They kind of make these paddle boards. Paddle like, board, yeah. They make paddle boards for like seafaring journeys that have like a little cabin. So like you probably... Yeah, somebody just did it last year, I believe. Yeah, yeah from, they cross the Atlantic. Yeah. So what you would do is you probably take the paddle board down to Antarctica and you walk like over Antarctica. Where Where are you acquiring this paddle board from? Is it waiting for you at the bottom of Chile? I, I would say so. Okay. I mean, I feel like you could... If you're going to do this journey, you probably have some planning. Okay. So you, you paddle board from like the tip of Chile down to Antarctica. Then you walk like circularly like towards Africa... Uh, like on Antarctica, okay. then you would probably pat. You'd probably take the paddleboard with you. Then you paddleboard again, like straight up to af- the bottom of Africa, like Cape Town. Then from Cape Town, you would walk all the way back up Africa, through uh, like the Middle East and back to Magnitogorsk. I think you could do it that way. I, but I, I think you also have to take into account here, like the the time element here. So you like this is going to take a, f- a few years at least. Right? Yeah, and I don't so, know how you're going to take so you all have your to stuff start, with you. So you have to start in the summer up north because it's going to be cold otherwise. I mean, it'll yeah. be cold regardless, but you've you got to start it in the summer. And then you get to time it so that you end up down all the way south the, the following summer. summer. Yeah, but the thing is is that even like summer in Antarctica is like 40 degrees, so it's still pretty cold. Yeah, right, but it's it, it's bearable. It, it's like like 40 degrees is a warm day up here in Clinton, New York, right? <laughs> well, yeah. So like 45 you, is shorts weather. Right, exactly. So like um, – I don't know. It's just timing would be difficult, but it can be done. I completely agree with you. It can be done. Can I? Can we actually just like we're way off? But the weather here, it's kind of crazy because like if it's forty degrees here and like disgusting, like back home in Utah in Park City, it's like fifty-five degrees and everyone's skiing in their shorts, right? Which is like just insane to me. Like Snowbird is still open. That's crazy. It's and it's just like snowed, how much of it is open? Like it one snowed trail? a foot the other day. Really? Yeah. There's like there's a. I mean, I, I'm gonna get it back out to Utah, and I'm probably gonna go skiing again. Yeah. And like June first or something. That's the dream. Yeah, that I mean, really it's, is. It's gonna be insane. Um. So we are. So that is gonna wrap it up for our little bit of a of a non sports topic here. We kind of got off track, but 
right after this break, we're going to go knee-deep in NHL NBA playoffs. We're back at it. Stick around. We'll be right back. Play. All right. Welcome back to the Kyle and Kasnoff show. We're talking NHL playoffs. We are. I th- oh, sorry. I was just going to say, if you just look at the standings right now, or the, or the scores, we've got, we've got 3-1 Lightning over the Bruins. We've got, is it 3-2 now? Vegas no, and San Jose? No, it's 3-1. 3-1 Vegas, San Jose? I believe. Or maybe it's 3 I think it's 3-1. I thought, I thought San Jose got 2. Hold on, hold on. Let me just check right now. Um, no, sorry. It's 3-2. It's 3-2. You're right. 3-2 Vegas 3-2. over San Jose. Yeah. We've got, is it 3-2 Penguins over, over uh, Washington? I'm pretty sure that one's 2-2. Yeah, two two. It's two two in the other two series. Jets, Predators, and Penguins Capital. Those are both two two. Okay. So we've had the Vegas play one more game. Okay, so what's your outlook here? Okay. I, I want to say this actually. I think we collectively as sports fans are just so dumb. Because so like at the beginning of the season, everyone's like Vegas isn't gonna be good. And that was probably reasonable. Expansion teams typically have, well, not typically, expansion teams in any professional sport have never been this good. But the thing that I don't really understand is that, like, it, come, it comes playoff time, and everyone's like, well, Vegas, who is, like, the third best team in the regular season, they're not going to be good anymore. It's like, turns out Vegas still really good. Like, Vegas, like, ran away with the Pacific Division title. They didn't win it by, like, a point at the end of the season. They had it in the bag for, like, Basically, right. sort of like the entire second half of the season, it was like, okay, well, Vegas right. won the Pacific. And it's actually just kind of shocking to me. Like, and I did it myself. I was like, usually we talk about recency bias, where like, where like you watch, like, you watch, like, uh, I don't know, Edmonton win 7 0, and you're like, all right, they're winning the Stanley Cup this year. But like, obviously, that's not true, because like, you watch the other 81 games they played, you know? See, like, I don't, I don't know that you can call everyone dumb, because at the end of the day, this, I don't think that this could have really been predicted. In terms of how far they've gotten, but I, well, I, even me, I picked the Kings to beat Vegas in the first round. But like, and you talk about all the talent that Vegas now has, that there was no way to predict a lot of the breakouts that happened for this team this well, year. But when, more what I mean, which is that like, I understand not picking them to make the playoffs. I did that myself. You know, ev- everyone really did that. But what I don't understand is like how you watch them win the Pacific Division, and then you're just being like, all right, it's. And now they're going to show up to the ring tomorrow and just be less good and lose. Right? That, no, no, no. I, that that's kind because of because I'm pretty about. sure it was you that said pretty much whoever comes out of the central, yeah, or whatever the heck the central the division, division yeah. is, yeah, whoever comes out of the central is is going to the Stanley Cup final, whether it be Winnipeg or Nashville. I right? think. I mean, I honestly, I actually do think that because I think that Winnipeg and Nashville are the two best teams in in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's kind of a shame they're playing in the second round, but. I Much like how I how I thought, and and I believe the final regular season standings represented it too. That the Bruins and the Lightning were the two best in the East. They and, were, and they're yeah. playing right now too. You know, I mean, like, and I mean, in the Bruins being down three one, I think it's unlikely that they make a comeback. I think what happened there was that after Game Two of the last series, Toronto figured out how to beat the Bruins, and and the Lightning are pretty much just. Continuing that trend right now. Well, the, the Lightning are just so much deeper. It, uh, right. In all honesty, like the the Bruins have a lot of depth at forward, and their defense is good. But if you if you look at, I, I think that when the when the Lightning went out and they spent big to get Ryan McDonough, they made themselves uh, like shoe ins for at least the Eastern Conference Final. Like, sure. 
they were, I mean, I didn't pick them a little bit because like I just hadn't watched them so much. But if you if you think about it objectively, the defense they have where they've got Hedman, Strawman, Girardi, McDonough, that's their top four. Then they've got Sergachev, and there's kind of got a few other players that play that sixth defensive slot. Braden Coburn, Andre Schuster, they've got a few other players. Like mm-hmm. that defense, in terms of a defensive ability, might be number one. It's not the best defense in the in the playoffs. That obviously goes to the Nashville Predators because like of the remarkable scoring that they get from their defense with Ellis and and Ekholm and uh, Yossi. But like in terms of defensive ability, like. I actually just—it actually infuriates me a little bit. It infuriates me that the Rangers bought out Dan Girardi only so him and Ryan McDonough could go to the Stanley Cup final with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, it, I, because the thing is, is that like, I mean, Mark Stahl didn't have a bad season for the Rangers, but if anyone should have been bought out, it should have been him. Because turns out Dan Girardi can still play. He scored that goal last night with right? one hand too. Right, that was a crazy goal, and I, I think I know I mentioned this to you early, but yeah. the but the announcers were like. Uh, you know, any goal is a good goal because they're all like, "Wow, I cannot believe that just happened." You know, right? I have to say this like, to win in, the game, no less. In my soccer career, I scored a lot of kind of not the best goals, but you know what? I always celebrated and I walked away and said they all count the same. Right. And I mean, it's true; they do all count the same. The other thing I want to talk about is Pittsburgh Washington. Still a great series, and I think that uh, Jake Gensel is the new Justin Williams. You, you might remember Justin Williams as like Mister Game Seven. Sure. Where he just like the games on the line, he shows up or Logan Couture, for example. Do you know that? In, do you remember in 2016 it was Sharks Penguins, uh, Sharks Penguins uh, in the final? Yeah. Yep. You want to hear a crazy statistic about Logan Couture? Yeah. He had 16. He had 30 points that playoffs. He led the playoffs by a lot. Uh, Sidney Crosby won won the Conn Smythe that year with only 19 points. Logan Couture had 30 points. Yeah, in a loss, he had 16 points in elimination games. Is that not insane? That's insane. He had 16 points right. in like the four or five elimination games that now, he played in. Now, what I want to ask, has a player from a losing team ever won the Conn Smythe? The answer is yes, but it's rare. Right. Uh, as, as with any other finals MVP or whatever. I actually, NBA. That, that specifically in 2016, I said Logan Couture deserves this. Like, because... I mean, like, not only just the 16 points in elimination games, because, like, that means that when he when it was his team's time to do the business, he showed up, and when it was his team's, they could have gone home, he showed up. But, like, if you just think about... Uh, the, the question with the MVP is, like, is, like, best versus most value to his team. And in my mind, if it's most value to his team, it can easily be from a loser. Sure. Because, like, I mean, like... Even you'd have to say like even if uh, if let's say the Vegas Golden Knights lose the uh, lose in the in the Stanley Cup final, you could still see Mark Andre Fleury being being the MVP, the playoff MVP. But uh, he's been a force for them. I mean, he has been he's been ridiculous. Like uh, it, it's kind of crazy that that uh, uh, what's it It's kind of crazy that uh, he's having his best season at this age. But this is the best season he's ever played, really. And he looks unbeatable. And he was basically the, he was the backup for two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. And you know what it looks like Pittsburgh could really use? It a, looks like they could goalie. use some Marc-Andre Fleury right, goaltending. Right. Matt like, Murray has not looked that great as He's dropped the ball a little bit. But we know what he's capable of. And, I mean, going for a three-peat at, like, 23 years old or 24, I think he might yeah, be. Yeah, he's 23, 24. Yeah. 
it's not so it's such a bad place to be in your career. Right, exactly. You know, like, but but the thing is that I I, I, I think that the, the story out of Pittsburgh is probably Jake Gensel. That kid is electric, uh, as I said before. The other person I want to talk about is uh, P.K. Subban. P.K. Subban, I absolutely love him. Not only is he a true, genuine superstar, but he's a true, genuine gentleman. He, he, is a, he is a good guy. I mean, yeah, he plays tough, he plays physical, but he's a, a tremendous person off the ice. But the thing is, is that what I'll never understand is that when, when he goes into, like, the away team's buildings uh, and, like, everyone boos him. I'm a Rangers fan. I've seen him play, like, two or three times in New York. Every time he touches a puck, even if it's, like, a regular season game in, like, January or February, even December – it's boo, it's boo, PK. Yeah, he's, he historically was not a very popular figure around Boston either. He's never sure. been a popular figure anywhere, for really. Sure. But the thing is, is that what I'll never understand is that how people don't understand that he thrives on that. He wants to be the center of attention. Like, when everyone's booing because there's being like, boo, PK, he's thinking, all eyes on me, time to score. I think he's got three goals in four games versus, uh, versus Winnipeg. I, I mean, the, the guy is just is just absolutely remarkable. I, I think he should win the Norris Trophy for best defenseman in the league this year. And and I just, I can't, I'll never really understand why people still get on his case. Because like, Apron Besu, who is a, who is a, a beat reporter for the, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, he wrote about this a few years ago. He just tweeted at the link the other day. He's like, I wrote about this years ago. PK loves the spotlight. Even if it's booing him, he's still in the spotlight. Right. Because like, if you're booing him every time I touch the puck, you know what PK's thinking? They're looking for me every time I touch the puck. Right. I, now, I, I want to ask you just kind of like the circumstances surrounding how PK Subban ended up on the National Predators. Because like, it's it's something that I, I feel like I've never really seen before, how the Predators traded their star defenseman, Shea Weber, for the Canadiens star defenseman and P.K. Subban, like just kind of like a one-for-one deal. I, I want to know like how that benefited either side. You know, it seemed like they were both pretty pretty similar players up until that point. Like what did the Predators see in Subban that they didn't see in, in Weber, you know? Like I, I just don't really understand that because it's, it's something that's unheard of in sports. Like like in baseball, you wouldn't hear of Bryce Harper being traded for Mike Trout, you know? It's just like not a thing that happens, you know? Oh, exactly. I'll explain to you. Basically, what I just talked about with P.K., how he loves to be the center of attention, they didn't like that in Montreal. I mean, Mark Bergevin, the GM of the, of the Montreal Canadiens, will say, you know, it wasn't a personality thing. It wasn't about that. The, he'll say, you know, we just we thought we were getting a different player, a better player, upgrading. Here, here's the real deal. The, the story goes that basically other players were a little jealous or something. That, like, they, they didn't like how it was, P, it was the PK show. Now, I, th- I mean, it's a hot topic in hockey. Because, like, hockey doesn't have a lot of PK-type characters. It doesn't have a lot of guys with an overwhelming personality. I think it's good for the game. Like a Drew Doughty type as well, who is another star defenseman, who is, like, who is you know, he says what's on his mind. He, he's really out there about stuff. I, I think it's good for the game. What happened, though, is that it's a personality thing. And P.K. Subban, he got traded just days before his nine-year contract with no move protection kicked in. So basically, the, the story was that if P.K. is going to get traded from Montreal, it's going to be right now because if they wait another week, he's got no move protection, meaning like he, he would have to approve a trade or, or, or he couldn't be moved. And P.K. loved Montreal, so P.K. was going to be like, I'm not going anywhere. But I mean, 
And, but he, he, I mean, he makes, he's making us so much money. The thing, now I know it's not all about money. Like, obviously, he wanted to be in Montreal. He loves Montreal. I'm sure he misses it. But I think he's having fun in Nashville. But you want to hear something crazy? P.K. Subban, I believe he signed, uh, I want to say it was eight years, $9 million a season. You want to hear something crazy? Go ahead. When he got traded from Montreal to Nashville, do you know how much real dollars, how, many, how much more money he will make because, like, the different taxes and everything? Take a guess. Uh, in total, probably another five million. Twelve million. Wow. He's gonna make an additional twelve million dollars. Wow. From being in Nashville versus being in Montreal, that's that's an that's a, a, an approximated figure, courtesy of our friends at Cap Friendly. But I mean, that is, I mean, that's a, that's a significant amount yeah. of money. Yeah. Right. So it's a it's a win win there because I, I feel like, I mean, especially because he's winning. I mean, like a win win for both him and the National Predators because, on the other side of the deal. In in Montreal, it was a tough year for Shea Weber. He only he was injured. He played only twenty six games. In those twenty six games, he only had sixteen points. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, the thing about Shea Weber is that I, Nashville's Nashville knew Shea Weber is a known quantity. He is a tough defenseman, and he's got probably the best slap shot of any defenseman in the league. Maybe Colton Pareko sneaking up on him, but but uh, you know, slap shot wise. Shea Weber still is the big man with the you know with the big arm so to speak way better stick. than way better than Big Z right. unfortunately you know, now you might not know what this means but Shea Weber plays with like a two fifteen flex for no idea what that means to, like so that's I, how, that, that's like how stiff, a hockey stick that's how stiff the stick right. is okay. now just like for comparison the average like varsity hockey player at Hamilton probably plays with like a ninety I would guess or like maybe ninety five so it's two fifteen more or less flexible it's way more like if you or I had that stick. Not only would we not even be able to bend it, we you, neither of us could get the puck off the ice. It would be insane. Like you literally couldn't get the puck off the ice. The guy is is lights out. But uh, I think he'll be back. If you look at this Montreal Canadiens team, like it's a huge summer for them, because if they like if they were to be able to sign a John Tavares, now they're maybe even a Stanley Cup contender. Because Jonathan Drew and John Tavares. Just, uh, Shea Weber and Carey Price at his best, you might call that a Stanley Cup contender. You now, might. N- now, what about Max Pacioretty? Yeah, Max Pacioretty, well, it, it depends. If they get a John Tavares, he probably can stay because they think they can contending. Right. If not, they might trade him. And that, I, think that, I think that Montreal's got a systemic problem. I think that Mark Bergevin is not doing a good job. I'm actually shocked that he has been able to keep his job for now, so long. Now, you know, I guess... I'm glad that you brought that up because that leads me to my next question: as in, why is it that NHL GMs, you know, Mark Bergman of the of the Montreal Canadiens, Peter Shirelli of the Edmonton Oilers, how is it that these guys can just keep their job for so long um, after it, after they've just blown their chances? And and in the terms of Edmonton, you have Peter Shirelli, who's pretty much just who's ruined this team. He's traded away Taylor Hall, who had an incredible Jordan season. Eberle. Jordan Eberle. He um, he traded essentially. He traded. The pick that drafted Matt Barzell, the Islanders' stellar rookie, he traded away for a defenseman named Griffin Reinhardt. I bet you haven't heard of him. Have not heard. Buried of him. in the minors. Right. So, like, how is it these? How is this? How is it that these GMs can just keep their job after so many or just failed opportunities? These these guys have blown up these teams. Um, a mediocre season after mediocre season. How is it that these guys can just keep their jobs for so long? Well, I think that it, 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 there's a lot of factors that go into it. Edmonton has some systemic problems uh, in the way that they, they run their team, it seems. Peter Shirelli has not 
been terrible because he did get them to the playoffs for the he first did. time in he 11 did. years. So, so we, you know, credit where credit is due. He drafted Connor McDavid. That was a tough choice, you know, when you were at, at first right. overall. It was a real big decision. Right. So, so good on him for picking right. Uh, that was a joke, obviously. It right. was I, the easiest I, choice I, anyone I could have could picked Connor McDavid, and I know yep. nothing about hockey. Uh, but basically, Edmonton has never been good at drafting and developing. Uh, and they continue to not be good at it. Edmonton, there's a, there's reports that they're looking into trading their first overall pick. I mean, sorry, not their first overall pick, but their first round pick this year for some immediate help. But they have, you know, their prospect pool is not good because they haven't been able to develop. They've been draft. They they they, they have so many problems. And I think that in Peter Shirelli's case, Shirelli can say it's not just me. You know, I'm not the only problem. And so that kind of offers them for some protection. In a case of Montreal. I think sometimes you ask the question, well, who's better? And some, like, you know, who can we get bring in here that's better? Because not just anyone can be a GM in the NHL. But the other thing that I think is that there's a lot of respect for former players, partially. And it's also like a, a GM can go through a lot of coaches. You know, the higher up you get, the harder it is to get fired in some senses. Because you can say, oh, well, you know, well, it's only been a year since I brought in a new coach. Give me another year or two. But I think that the problem is that I don't see that like that. It, to me, it doesn't seem like Montreal is moving in the right direction because like a problem with Montreal is that they traded PK Subban away, which is a problem because he's so beloved by the fans. Like last year when the Canadians went out, uh, sorry, weren't in, weren't in it, and Nashville is going to the to the Stanley Cup final, like bars were being turned into like Shea Subban and they would everyone in Montreal became a Predators fan they wanted PK to win so badly because they still love him uh, or you know if they trade Max Pacioretty Max Pacioretty is a captain he's an American he grew up in New Canaan Connecticut he went to Avon Old Farms you know he's the captain of the Montreal Canadiens which is like a huge deal for an American to be a captain of the French-speaking Canadiens he loves it up there he bought his house there that he lives in Montreal year-round and the thought that, like, they're just going to trade him because, like, it's good value, I understand because, you know, it's a business after all. Right. But in some senses, you got to think that, like, you're trading a good player, a consistent 30 goals. You're considering trading a good player, a consistent 30 goal store who kind of bears his heart and soul for the team. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy that wants to be there. And, and I, I just don't necessarily see the logic behind that. I think that it's not really a, a super good look for uh, – for, for the guys in Montreal, and, and and it's kind of crazy, especially also New York Islanders. Garth Snow has been the GM with the New York Islanders for 15 years. He, I mean, he's a nice man. I've met him. He's a really nice guy. Uh, he he was a goalie in his day, playing the NHL. I think he actually went to BC or BU, and then he went to he went to Maine before that, I think, and then he went went to Boston for school. Uh, you know, he's a good guy, but he can't get the job done. And I think that if John Tavares walks this summer, that could be the end of him. Right, right. Uh, definitely makes a lot of sense there. But that is going to wrap it up for our, our, our very lengthy and in-depth NHL discussion for this week. Play. All right, welcome back. We're going to talk just a quick NBA. Mostly, I just want to read a little text exchange that Kyle and I had on Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday, 11.08 p.m. Utah to win the NBA. It's decided, is what I said. You texted back pretty shortly. Can confirm. 
Would we like to walk that take back after last night's uh, loss? Yes, yes. Uh, I think we were a little bit too optimistic there after that game two win by the Jazz. They got shellacked last night. Uh, I believe it was 113-1092. At one point, they were down like 35 points. Uh, the life was really sucked out of the Vivint Smart Home Arena. Is, is that... Is that whatever the dumb name is now of the of the Utah Jazz Arena? Um, really, I thought it was a Zion's Bank Arena, or it used to be. They've had a bunch of name yeah. changes, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I we'll think have to call Larry Miller. I think I think that uh, the Jazz may maybe they'll like squeeze one more win um, out here, but it, it's over for them. Houston's the better team. I'd actually like to double down. I don't think they're going to win this year only. I think they're going to win this year and next year. That's how confident I am. They're only going to get better, that's for sure. Donovan Mitchell is only going to get better. I think he's going to be a 25-point scorer next year per game. Um, so here's my question. When Donovan Mitchell, when his contracts expire, Supermax? Or will he not be eligible? Um, well, it, it, it depends because you have to be in the league for eight years. To I get believe, a Supermax? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. So he won't be eligible. So it's supposed to be your second time through free agency. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, if he can keep it up and not get injured and make an, and, and make an all-NBA team, then yeah. But, like, I'm so, that, that's a long way down the road. I'd have to say, like, if he plays the way he's playing now, if he plays like that for a whole regular season next year, it would be hard for me to see him not making the all-NBA team. I agree. At I least mean, the second team. Well, I mean, like, you have to just think about the West. I mean, like, they have, you know, in terms of, like, their guard depth, you've got Curry, you've got Westbrook, you've got Harden. Um, you've got Damian Lillard up there in uh, up there in Portland. He doesn't get a lot of love. How, how'd that work out for him this year? Um, yeah, did, his team really fell apart there in that first round. I was not expecting that at all. Should we talk about the other team that's falling apart? Go ahead. The, the Toronto the Toronto, the Toronto Raptors. Ra- this I I never really believed in the Raptors. I mean, like I, I might have said otherwise, but this team is soft. They always have been soft. They get Drake out there. You know, they're all hyped up. We the North, we the North. And then they just collapse in the playoffs. And then they go away, and then they come back the next season, and they're, like, the number one or number two seed. And then they just prove that they're, that they're soft in the playoffs. Like, this is, like, with this team, how it's put together, they're, they're never going to get it done. Um, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I'm, I was surprised that the Cavaliers beat them so soundly in game two. Um, but, yeah, it's if it's not going to be a sweep by the Cavs, maybe it's it's one game. Uh, for the Raptors here, but uh, yeah, this team's soft. I honestly, I actually think though that like if the Raptors didn't have to play Cleveland on their on en route to the NBA Finals every year, I actually think they'd be a lot better. Like LeBron just makes that team like his like like just they he just boss they just boss him around. It's, Did you it's see ri- um, ridiculous at one point like late in the game when they went to commercial the ESPN guy who who was calling the game I forget who it was I, I don't really know who does play who does the ESPN play by play. Um, he he goes. We'll be we'll be back to LeBronto, <laughs> and everyone's just like, "Oh man, wow!" He just he just roasted them. Uh, but that that's really how it's been. He's... That's actually a classic ESPN <laughs> joke. Like a little clever, but still pretty bad. Right, right, exactly. Uh, he got the rhyme down, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how how it's been uh, these last two games and and the past few seasons. Really, he he's really dominated the Raptors. Um, in the regular season and the playoffs. Just talking about ESPN a little bit, did you watch any of the draft coverage? Because the jokes they're making are just like maybe 10, 15 years old. Right. Like Pretty soon they're going to be like, oh, did you see Happy Gilmore? Right, exactly. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny. Like, I know this isn't what we're talking about, but like, you bring up the draft, 
just quickly, did you see the guy who 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 announced the pick for uh for the Chargers? Like it was a late round thing, and he he started he was just ranting. He goes he goes like first he opens up like the pick in like the sixth round, two hundred overall for my beloved San Diego. That's right, San Diego always in my heart. <laughs> and then he just started trashing all the other teams in the NFC West. <laughs> he he was just going off, and then he finally announced the pick, and then he's still ranting. And then uh and the guys for ESPN who were doing the coverage were like. All right, that's enough. And then they just muted it, and then they and then they went to commercial immediately <laughs> while he was still talking. I thought that was so funny. Um, My thought is actually, the NFL draft could maybe be improved. It was it was actually just always a roast. Right. Like basically, you got to step up. You got to bash anything you wanted. You got to make like two jokes, and then you'd be like, "And the pick is Derwin James." Right. Exactly. Um, We're gonna do something fun though. Right now, you're gonna read out the names of the horses. In the Kentucky hold Derby. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Can I just... I have to play the sound. Yeah. Can I just play the sound for this pick, and then we'll go into, into some Derby talk here? I have to play the sound. Just, yeah, just just plug in. We'll, we'll put it on. All right, all right. Here we go. All right, you ready? Yeah, here we go. With the 251st pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Los... Always in my heart, San Diego Chargers select Justin Jackson, running back, Northwestern. And Cowboy fans, Penna La Vela will see you in the Super Bowl. Pero puro Chargers, carnal. Yeah, puro Chargers. We'll see you in the Super Bowl. All right. I mean, that was definitely something. <laughs> I think I think this is the last year that they have the fans <laughs> announce the pick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I don't think that the NFL wants that. Just a guy ranting in Spanish about the Cowboys, because um, that's the NFL's best brand right there. But that's gonna do it for some NFL draft. We again, as was mentioned, yeah, we've got to go into some derby talk. You're gonna read the names of the horses. Yep. I'm gonna give the odds what I think they are based on nothing but the names. Okay. How many right. horses are we doing? How many are there? Like twenty. There are twenty horses. All right. We'll, we'll go quick. We'll go quick. Yeah. At post one. Post one, um, I think historically it's been a middle-of-the-road post. Inside, you're right along the fence. Uh, Post one, we've got Ferenz Fire. Mind you, mind you. Wait, sorry. It's Friends Fire or Ferenz? F-I-R-E-N-Z-E. And mind you, I'm going to give you a range here. I'm going to go, we'll say 70 to 1 all the way down to 2 to 1. All right? Okay, that's like for all the picks or for this horse? For all the picks. Okay. I'd like to put him at 81. That's a soft name. Yeah, that's pretty soft. 80 to 1. Okay. I went out of the range on the first pick. Okay. Very good. Two, Free Drop Billy. <laughs> I mean, okay, Free Drop Billy is one of those horses you want to put at 80 to 1, but you think that his <laughs> name is so bad that it's actually working for him because like people are doubting him. So I'm going to give him a conservative 11 to 2. That's pretty good. Okay, that's that's actually pretty good. That will make him one of the favorites right right out of the gate here. Now at post three. Wait, what, what was he at? I want to know who's at. He was actually at 35 to 1. Okay, so I was pretty off. So, yeah, so you're pretty optimistic here for no. free drop. Okay, post three, we've got promises fulfilled. Uh, sounds like promises unfulfilled. I'm going to go 60 to 1. Yeah, I, I'm not really feeling that either. Now at four, we've got flame away. Flame away? <laughs> now, does he have like flame decals branded into the side of him? Because that would make him a pretty big favorite. That would instantly favorite. shoot him up the rankings. I would no, I'm afraid not. If he if he had that, I would say five to one. But because he doesn't have that, I'm gonna go. Uh, let's call it thirty-one to two. Okay. Now at five. Now the fifth post historically is 
the most prolific post in, in terms of winners. Yeah, it's okay. The, it's, the, it's the most ideal spot. And at five, we have the fan favorite, Audible. Oh, I do like Audible because, you know, football term. Right, exactly. Uh, so I'm going to give him I'm going to give him a 25 to 3. That's pretty good odds. That's good. That's pretty good odds. He's actually at 13 to 2. He's he's based on odds. He's the third um, best horse in terms of odds. Um, at 6 we, we have Good Magic. Good Magic. Ooh. Mm, not doing it for me. I'm going to go 30 to 1. Now how about 7? We've got Justify. Justify. Actually, you know, I'm sorry. Do your pick and then I'll tell you about Justify. Okay. Justify, if it was justified, I would like it more. But, like, what are you trying to justify? Your inclusion in this race? Like, are you a loser? Did right. you just sneak in? Right. I'm going to go 80 to 2. Okay. Actually, he's the favorite. That's why I was going to say that. He's hmm. the favorite. At Interesting. Seven, at 7 to 2. Now, at 8, right. we, have Lone Sa- we have Lone Sailor. Lone Sailor is owned by fallen New Orleans Saints owner Tom Benson. Lone Sailor, because he don't need no one. He doesn't need his team. You know, he is out there doing it on his own. I'm going to give him 15 to 1. Okay. He's, he's actually at 50 to 1, so he's not going to win this race. Okay. Uh, but, he's, but he's in the middle. Eighth post is, is pretty good. You want to be kind of near the middle here. Uh, at 9, we've got Hofburg. Sounds pretty German. I'll pass. You, you do that one. All right. Hofburg sounds German. I like all things German. I'm giving him 20 to 1. I'm putting him kind of in the middle there. What's he actually at? He's actually at 15 to 1. Okay. So, so it's not that far fetched. You're pretty close. Not you're pretty that far fetched. Now at 10, we've got, right in the middle, we've got my boy Jack. He's not my boy. He's I'm, not your boy. I'm going to go 45 to 2. Okay. He's, he's actually at 18 to 1, so kind of like top half here, maybe. I think that 45 to 2 is actually pretty close to 18 to 1. Yeah. Does, uh, is does it? I don't really know how odds work was, in terms of like what's the difference between forty five to two and eighteen to one? Like what's the difference? Well, like eight forty five to two would be would be essentially like twenty two and a half to one. Basically, like they don't they don't do like they don't do fractions in fractions. So like like oh, I see what you're saying. So like you wouldn't just say fourteen over two; you would just say seven to one. But if you if you have like an odd number or it's like over like if they don't divide. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so that's how it works. Okay, I actually didn't know that. Now, at, at 11, s- still kind of in the middle here, we've got Bolt, how do you say it? Deoro, lowercase d apostrophe capital O. Deoro? I'd say Deoro, yeah. Bolt Deoro? Yeah. He sounds like the soup du jour to me. Ooh. I'll put him at like 8 to 1. He's at 17 to 2, so pretty close. Yeah, thanks. Spot on. Now, at 12, we've got Enticed. I'm, I'm Enticed. I'm Enticed, I'm too. hooked. I, I, I am, too. He's... He's got to be one of my favorites here. I'll probably put him at at six to one. He's actually at twenty five to one, so not not okay. one of the favorites, but he can he he can definitely make a run for it. Everyone likes an underdog. Now at thirteen, we've got Bravazo. No, Bravazo. I don't want him. Yeah, no, he's at sixty to one. He's not really gonna do anything. Now at fourteen, we've got M- Mendelssohn. M- Mendelssohn. Okay, what happened to all the good names of horses yeah. like California Chrome or yeah. Nyquist? American Pharaoh. Yeah, Those are, these are some dope names, and like the dope names have won in recent years. And we've got Mendelssohn. I-, I-, I can't even say that name. And he's at seven to two. He's the favorite. He's no. tied for the favorite with Justified. I hate that. I hate that. Now I'm going fifteen. Now instilled regard. I kind of like that. Instilled. Okay, regard. like. These these horse owners are a little too prissy for me. They're all like instilled regard, like you must care. I don't actually. Okay, I want something fun. I just want someone to be. I just want something I can shout at the TV. You know, like maybe I'll bet with my friends, like something I can be like really pumped about when they win. Like I can make a good joke. You know, 
Right. I just want to have fun. Now, the odds makers would agree with you here because they put him at 60 to 1. He's not going to do anything in this race. Are any horses at like 500 to 1 or any horses really bad? No, I, like I, I set the range at 70 to 1 because the worst odds are 66 to 1. Okay, yeah. Um, and now at, at 16, kind of a funny one, we got Magnum Moon. I like it. <laughs> I'm a fan I, too. I like that. I'll give him, I mean, I don't think he's a favorite, but I'll give him like 19 to 1. Okay, he's at, he's at 15 to 2. Yeah. He's, oh, so he, that, that's odds, pretty good. That's odds way would have better. Him as, as one of the favorites there. Yeah. So now it's at, at seventeen. Seventeen is the dreaded post historically. Yeah. Not a single winner has ever been at seventeen. This year we've got Salamini, the Italian horse. Maybe mm. he's Italian, maybe not. But he has he he sure has an Italian. So he name. probably had a long quarantine when he's coming through customs, which means that mm, yeah, maybe the legs are a little stagnant. Maybe. That's why they put him in seventeen because they know he's going to lose anyways. Right. I'll give him like I'll give him like. Fifty to two, no, so like twenty five to one. That's he, he's yeah. at twenty two to one. So you're yeah. so you're spot on there. Now we now we're sticking with the Italian theme here at eighteen. Pretty much seventeen to twenty. People don't usually win in those in those posts. Eighteen, we've got Vino Rosso, <laughs> or Vino Vino Rosso, perhaps. I, I have no idea. I like that name better, so I'll give him better odds. I'll give him like nineteen to one, but I still don't like him. Now at nineteen, we've got Noble Indy. Nope. I'm out. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling that either. He's a, he, he's at thirty to one, and at, and finally at twenty, combatant. He's ready to fight. He wants to get his. I like that. He wants to get like his that. hoofs dirty. He wants to stick him in the mud. He wants to go, go, go. So I'm gonna give him fifteen to one. I feel that too. He's at he's at sixty six to one. He's dead last in odds, but I, I am feeling that name. You know, I mean, like overall, I gotta go with Audible here. He's the popular pick. He's got the football name. Um, if I had to put money on it today, which I'm not, I'm going with Audible. And I believe, you know, and for those of you who, who do want to tune in today, um, I believe it's at 5.36 usually is around is, is post time. Um, I'm excited. We may not have, like, I, I remember, like, was it 2015 when American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown? That was so much fun. What like, has it? Did he win? I thought they only won two. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. It was, it was Ca- yeah. California, California Crown, the, like, like the year before he yeah. only won the first two. But uh, F- American Pharaoh did win the Triple Crown. I have to say, my favorite is the Preakness. I'd say, probably, let's do a quick ranking. You want to Do you want a snake drafted, or do you, you want to okay. just go right away? Okay, we'll, we'll just go right away. Okay, I'll go, I'll go Preakness, Kentucky Derby, Belmont. That's my order. You know, I'm going to have to say that the, that the Derby is my favorite. Okay. Just because of the of the history of it, it's 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 the most classic race here. It's the first weekend in May where it's finally springtime. Finally, um, Churchill Downs. You know, I mean, like you, everyone dresses up. You got the big hats. You got Bob Costas behind the mic. He'll be back today after his after his long hiatus there from NBC. He he's been missed, and I'm excited to have him back. Um, he's he's a mainstay of the Derby. M- maybe maybe I just love the Derby because of Bob Costas. Listening to his soothing voice, how much he knows about the horses. I don't know. I have to. I have to say, like, I love like horse racing culture. Like, I love like giant hats and everyone getting all dolled up, like See, in the south, like having their juleps. Like, I, I think it's like that's like the type of party I dream about attending. See, like, I know how much of a fan you are, and and you know how much of a like. How, how much, much you hate that. How much I hate that. <laughs> but if I had to dress up and like go all out for one time of the year, I would do it for the Kentucky Derby. What about the Masters? I would do the Masters. Well, the Masters, you, like... You, you don't have to be that dressed up. I'll just get a, like... I have to say this, though. Like, I know this off topic, but I miss the Masters. Like, I want Jim Nance and the Masters to be on every weekend. If, it were, if golf was just 
the Masters every single weekend, I would be happy. I would see. Watch. I don't even like love the Masters that much because like I'm not. It's April. I'm not really into golf yet. Like for me, the British Open is my favorite because of how bad the weather is, how much <laughs> I love the UK, and and just that. So you like when the course wins. I, I like it when the course wins. But if we're going like when the course wins, we got to talk U.S. Open. Yeah. Because uh, U.S. Open, I like oftentimes guys will win not even breaking par. <laughs> like like really like it's built to have the course win. And at plus seven, we've got the winner, Jason Day. <laughs> exactly. Like guys who put up scores that m- maybe on a good day I could put up. You know. Well, but, like, wait, hold on a sec. But if if like Jason Day is gonna put up plus seven, what are you gonna? Obviously, put up? obviously, yeah. if Jason Day's putting up plus seven, I'm putting up plus thirty seven. But like, you really think you're thirty strokes worth than a worse than a professional golfer? I'd probably give you like fifteen. Okay, yeah. okay, fifteen. I'd give you, I'd give you, I'd give you on an easy course. I'd give you fifteen. On a hard course, I'd actually give you an 10. extra, an extra stroke a hole. I feel like is fair between me and the me and the best pro. Golfers. Yeah, because that does add up. That's a lot. Right, right. But I either way, back to my t- to my rankings here. Yeah. And coming right after the Derby, I've got to go with the Belmont. It's the longest of the of the races. I believe it's if it's a mile and a half or something mm-hmm. like that. It's the longest. It's the last one. It's the it's the fewest horses in the field. I believe last year there was only like eight horses, and there's twenty in the Derby. So it's like it's about pure strength, pure speed. It's the best on the best. And endurance. And endurance, obviously, because it's a it's the longest of all of them. And you know, it cements you as as an all time great in terms of like triple crown winners. You know, we've had. Uh, Seattle Storm, whatever the heck the, the horse was that won in uh, in '72, the last Triple Crown winner before American Pharaoh. Obviously, we have the Pharaoh. We've got Secretary. We've got Sea Biscuit. All these crazy horses who've cemented their legacies at the Belmont. So that's why I've got to put the Preakness in last. It's the middle child. It, it really doesn't get its due. Um, I don't know. And, and and also it's it's that New York City element of the Belmont too. Um, I don't like it. That's the th- like the thing about it is that like I'm just kind of in like. Pr- predisposition is that's a word like i just like there's something inside me that just like hates long island i don't know what it is maybe it's because like i'm a diehard Rangers. never actually been to long island i've I've been as far east as city field where the mets play never been further east than that i've been like i've been out to long island a little bit i've never made it quite out to the hamptons but i've been to long island i just like hate it like you you know kind of like when you're like driving through someplace and you're just kind of like like you know That's how I feel like when I get when I get on Long Island, and so I just can't put the Belmont above last place because like I'd rather go to Kentucky than go to Long Island. Okay, yeah, I, that I, might I, be a hot take. That might be a hot take, honestly. I, there's some Long Island people right now, or or perhaps future listeners who might be pretty upset with that putting Kentucky over Long Island. But from what I hear, I've never really been. But have like, you seen the TV show Justified? No, I have not. I've I've heard of it. Well, that takes place in Kentucky, uh, and it looks like pretty much a lawless place, and so it seems <laughs> kind of fun. Yeah, that that could put it over the edge there, but uh, regardless, okay. we all, we all know that Utah is the true lawless place. Yeah, that's true. It, it's the Wild West, if I've ever seen it. I actually have to say, like, so I, I just started watching Westworld. Okay. I've watched the first episode, and like the sci-fi part doesn't appeal to me at all. But like, I would love to go to the Wild Wild I'm West. I'm telling you, westerns are the best. Any western TV movie book. Any Western setting is for me. I don't know why. I just I ha- love it. I have to say, like, a part of me, like, really wishes that, like, I, ha- like, could, like, really, like, 
like had, do like a good southern accent like if i walked into her and was like howdy Padna," like everyone wouldn't laugh at me like <laughs> this you town just ain't did. big enough for the two of this us this town ain't big enough for the two of us all right you're gonna go ahead and get out of the podcast right. studio right exactly um but either way we've got post time tonight at 5 35 um that i'm afraid might do it for our our derby talk um we're gonna. We're probably gonna wrap up here today uh, at at the end of the Kyle and Kasanoff show. Make sure you go online and look for the Kyle and Kasanoff show. We will be coming to Apple Podcasts, so you can keep listening to us all summer. Just because the school year is ending and we're not gonna be here anymore, does not mean the show is ending. Look for the Kyle and Kasanoff show on Apple Podcasts in the coming days. You can also go to hockeychatwithmatt.com and select the show page, Kyle and Kasanoff. Uh, and you can find all of our old episodes, our current episodes, and all our future episodes there, too. Thanks for listening. That's going to do us for today.